Well, again, my name is Pastor Bill. I want to welcome you to WordServe Church. It is good to see you here this morning. You never know what you're going to get in the summer, but I do know this. God is here. The Spirit is moving. His Word is here. It's going to be an awesome morning. So I'm glad that you're here to join us. We're in a sermon series called I Shall Not Want, and it's about, guess what, <laughs> Psalm 23. Not hard to figure out, right? So what we've been through is we've talked about the shepherd, the restorer, the protector. Today we're talking about the promise. If at any point you wanted to go back and reference any of these, they're available on YouTube, on our website, and on our Facebook page. So if you've missed something, it's all out there in perpetuity, which when I make bloopers is extremely embarrassing. It's out there in perpetuity. So uh, this morning we're talking about the promise. Now, we've picked apart the psalm verse by verse, and today we're going to focus on verse 6. But since this is the capstone of the series, I thought it might be nice just to read the whole thing. I mean, it's not long and it's familiar, but don't check out on me because if you've been here before, try to recall what we talked about when we talked about each verse. And in a busyness and the craziness that we live, sometimes it's good just to sit, take a deep breath, and relax. So everybody, take a deep breath. And now we're ready to read God's word. Here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Doesn't that sound marvelous? That psalm of comfort, that psalm that's read all the time, that psalm that you could recite with your eyes closed in your sleep, but sometimes we, we miss what it means. When I first heard this, it was probably one of my earliest recollections, maybe you too. And I remember thinking, man, that sounds great. This is, this is the picture that I had in my mind as I hear about this Lord who's going to be my shepherd. He's going to take care of my every need. He's going to give me those green pastures and those still waters and those peaceful moments. Check. I'm in. And then I got to that part that says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, like, uh, wait, what? That, that, that doesn't fit with my picture. What do you mean valley? It's like, well, let's just keep reading. It's going to get better, right? Oh, prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Now we're talking. Yeah. All those bullies at school, they got nothing on me. Uh, I got a table, right? Anointing my head with oil. Okay, that was weird. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to keep reading, right? This is me the, the first few times, right? Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Yes, I love that. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am so in. Or am I? Now, maybe you've had a similar experience where you read this and you kind of gloss over the hard parts and you, you, you soak in those good parts and you hang on to just pieces of the verse. But if we hang on to pieces, we miss the whole of what God has for us. And so what I want to talk about today is we're going we're to focus in on this verse 6 and then we're going to come back and recap the entire series today. So when I think about this, this uh, portion in, in uh, trying to go out into the world after having read this, these valleys, these difficulties where uh, I fear no evil. This is the world I live in. Is this the world that you live in? Maybe. I mean, not all the time, 
It's not like, you know, th that's uh, Ron and me in the right upper hand corner. Uh, no, <laughs> just kidding, kidding. <laughs> Only when my alarm goes off and she's like, why, why? No. <laughs> No, but the, this is the world that we live in. I mean, if you're at school, you've probably run into to bad circumstances, bullies or just outcasting or ghosting, all these other terms that we've come up with. And if you haven't done it at school, guess what? Nowadays, you can even do it online. You don't even have to be at school to be bullied. Isn't that ridiculous? I never had that problem as a kid. You had to do it face-to-face. -face. But now, it's 24-7. You can get it anywhere. You can get it on your phone. You can get bullied on your phone. Did you know that? It makes me want to toss my phone, among other things. And, and then the social unrest that you see around the world, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that this dude on the bottom does not need a megaphone. Have you seen the size of his mouth? Yeah, so I, I, he could probably broadcast that whole thing. And then there's that whole work, or, or if, you, if you work for pay or you work in organizations, you, you deal with other people, sometimes you just give the head slaps, like, what are they thinking? Why do they have to be that way? What is it that's going on in their life that makes them so grumpy? I don't know, but I hope they get over it, right? And, and then, of course, any relationship that you're in, whether that's uh, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your kids, your parents, there, there's just sometimes clashes, are there not? So where is this goodness and love that's supposed to follow me all of my days? This is what I'm wondering about. Well, let's talk about that briefly. This is verse 6 that we're going to focus in on today. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the promise. David knows this. As a shepherd, he has a unique perspective on how this works. But here's a curious thing. You know, as many times as I've read this, as you go over that, I'm saying, okay, surely goodness and love, I get that part, right, will follow me. Why are goodness and love following me? Shouldn't goodness and love be leading me? Shouldn't goodness and love be calling me? Shouldn't goodness and love be surrounding me and protecting me? Why is it following me? And that's when it hit me. What happens when you move through this world? Uh, let's use a better analogy. What happens if you're a boat on a lake and you're moving? What follows you? You're awake, right? Every time we pass through this world, every interaction that we have, every person or persons that we interact with, we leave awake. What is the wake that we're leaving, Word, sir? Is it a wake of goodness and love? Now, we're going to focus on that because what goodness and love does is it follows me because it has come to me already. I can pass that on. But how do we do that? That's one of the things we're going to talk about today. And then the other thing we're going to talk about is dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. See, I think we do ourselves a disservice as Christians because we see a verse like that, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, that means like heaven I've heard about this place. There's pearly gates. There's, you know, choirs singing. Um, there, you know, you don't have to do anything. You float on a cloud. Uh, you eat whatever you want, and you never get fat. So, but that's someday, right? That's not now. How does that help me now when I'm, you know, back in that world with all that conflict? How does dwelling in the house of the Lord forever help me? It, what it does is it makes us think we've got to practice that delayed gratification, and we've just got to stick with it, and it's going to be good someday. How many people are experts at delayed gratification? <laughs> Yeah, me either. Uh, okay, one. All right. <laughs> I'll thank you later. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll be here all day. All right. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about this, how goodness and love will follow me. And we're going to do this through the lens of an actual shepherd. I'm still on this book. Dale, you're in my head. Stop it. She recommended this book, and I can't stop reading it. It's called the 23rd, uh, Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm by Philip Keller. 
And he's an actual no-kidding shepherd. He has done sheep herding. Now, he did this a few decades ago, but uh, he did it in uh, America and in uh, South Africa. So he has a very unique perspective. So I want to tell you a little bit about how uh, goodness and love follow me all the days of my life. Now, here's the thing. If you have a pasture or if you have a field and you want it to be in tip-top shape, one of the best things that you can do for it is put a flock of sheep in there that is properly managed. Now, what do I mean by that? A good shepherd is going to always rotate the, the flock so that he doesn't overgraze. But here's the thing about sheep that makes them unique. They can eat almost anything, and they do. And they have a special love for weeds and poisonous plants when they're young. So if you take the sheep into the field and they see, okay, here's a, here's a young thing that's not quite poisonous yet, but it's going to be, I'm just going to eat that and take care of that for you. And then pretty soon your field is clear of weeds and poisonous plants, which then allows the healthy gra grass to thrive. And pretty soon you've got a great pasture sitting right there. Now here's the other thing. I just said that the shepherds, properly managed sheep is the key here, will rotate the flocks. And we talked last week about the table, the mesa, the high table that he prepares. In those summer months when it's time to take those sheep up to altitude, those sheep that have been grazing so well and have eaten such a variety of everything that you can imagine, take themselves up to the high plateau. And you know what the other thing that sheep are really good at? They make really great manure. Right? Now think about the ramifications. These lowlands that are lush and they have all this great grass and the highlands maybe not so much. Well, guess how you get <laughs> good grass up there? You take seeds. Uh, we call it manure, but whatever. So they plant the fields, right? So not only have they weeded and taken out the, the poisonous plants, but they have fertilized the other fields. Do you see the continuous cycle that spirals upwards in a well-managed flock? So don't miss the spiritual ramifications here. As, as his people, as his sheep, we have the opportunity to take care of those poisonous, noxious plants. We have the opportunity to weed the garden. And it's best done when it first is noticed. Right? If you see something, say something. I just sounded like a public service announcement. You know what I mean. So we, we, we deal with it, and the way that we deal with it as Jesus followers is different than the way the world deals with it, because the world deals with it with megaphones and fists and signs and angst. But we, as Jesus followers, have a unique opportunity to deal with anything that we see that looks poisonous with special tools. They're called forgiveness and grace and truth. Who else in the world is going to do that? See, if you have a community that's in trouble, you probably should put a herd of Christians in there and let them graze and let them be well-managed for a time, and pretty soon you're going to have an awesome field because we are uniquely equipped. And we can leave behind the grace that we have already received. We can uh, leave that field better than we found it. And here's the thing. I don't have to manufacture this love and grace. I don't have to manufacture forgiveness. I'm borrowing from the one who has already given it to me. It's not mine, it's his. So if you're worried about not having enough, I don't know if I can forgive that much. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I can't forgive that much. <laughs> I'm not that good a person. I'm not even that good a sheep, let's be honest. But his grace flowing through me is unlimited. And his forgiveness can change 
not just your life, our lives. And our lives can change their lives, and their lives can change more lives. Almost like a wake behind a boat. It's almost like goodness and love are starting to follow behind us. Isn't that cool? Maybe it's just me. So here's the thing. We, we can be good stewards of the field wherever we're planted, if we're managed well. Okay, Bill, well, who manages us? Is it me? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's God. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. That's our shepherd. That's who we should be listening to. And if we do, we'll have great results. And if we don't, we get a different picture. Yeah, see, I didn't have to say anything You're like, Ugh, you know, but this is, this is what happens when we don't follow that shepherd. This is what happens to a sheep that is not well managed by the shepherd. You look at the field that this sheep is in, there's nothing to eat. There's very little to eat. This dude hasn't had a haircut in I don't know how long. And I was thinking as I was looking at him, you remember mullets, right? Short in the front, about long in the back. He's got a goat mullet going there, a sheep mullet going there. Uh, does not look well. He's skinny. Uh, not a happy camper. He's probably looking across the field at the, those good sheep going, man, I wish I could be there. But you know, don't we do the same thing? We, we look at people whose lives seem to be blessed. They seem to have that peace that passes understanding, and we can't really understand why. They seem to always be, uh, have that sense of serenity, that sense of calm, or, or maybe that assurance that everything's going to be okay. Yeah, there's a cloud. Yeah, we're dry right now, but there's a cloud. It's coming. His word's going to be done. Let it be so and let it be through me. You know people like that? Aren't they annoying? Right? Especially when you're having a bad day. Like, I don't need to hear that right now. Actually, you do. But this is what we look like when we separate ourselves. And here's the greatest irony of all. We're the ones doing the separating. This is, this is a sheep of the world. Their shepherd is not Jesus Christ. Their shepherd is something else. It might be Satan, if you want to go that far. It might be the world. It might be their pride. I'm the best shepherd of all. I will live my own life, master of my destiny. Great. How's it working out for you? And the, the saddest part of all is there is no one that should be outside that fence. No one should be outside looking in going, man, I wish I could be there. But, you know, I belong to someone else. The, the good shepherd hasn't purchased me yet. Au contraire. The price has already been paid. We already belong to him whether we choose to belong to him. Now, that's a different thing. So there is no reason for us to be on the outside looking in. There is no reason for us to walk around in a sheep mullet looking like this when we could look like that other flock. We've already been bought and paid for at great price. It's free to me, but someone paid a great price for us to be on the other side of that fence. And, and in case you're wondering how this works, Jesus says this himself. This is how I know this is true. Jesus doesn't make stuff up. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. That's another promise that you didn't count on. I'm giving you two promises this morning. We're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and we are going to be saved. And there's, there's your answer. You don't have to look a million different places. You don't have to wish that you were someone else. You don't have to buy an online course, do a certain thing. You just have to believe. Admit. And it starts with that initial surrender. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second here. But this is where it all begins. 
Now, so I promised you we're going to focus in on this, this verse 5 and 6 and specifically how to apply this. And so as this goodness and love follow us, we need to figure out what kind of wake we're going to leave behind us. Because you can say, oh, I'm not going to leave any wake. You know what leaves no wake? <laughs> A boat that's dead in the water. And man, as I look at some people, you can just look in their eyes and you can tell, I mean, you are spiritually dead in the water and I, my heart hurts for you. So at least start rowing. I mean, maybe if you can't get here, at least start rowing and make some waves somewhere, right? Make some good waves, though. Make sure that they're actually good waves to make. Now, we, we talked earlier about how the sheep will go and they will you know, eat and, and do what sheep do and, and provide manure to make the field better. Isaiah said it this way, and this is what uh, our, our great opportunity is. He said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring what? Good news. This is what makes us unique. Who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Now put in more common speak. Yeah, the, the feet that we bring good news with, we can do that in a myriad of ways. You brought your feet here this morning. I hope you're hearing good news. I hope that when you leave here, your feet will take that good news with you and that you will distribute that and pastures will be made better because of what God is doing through you. Our feet don't actually have to be our feet these days. That's the other thing. You know, I talked about how social media is so terrible about bullying. Well, guess what? Social media is amoral. It's neither good nor bad. So why can't we take that same tool and spread good news? Why can't we take that same tool, proclaim peace and good tidings and salvation? The answer is because maybe we haven't bothered to, or maybe we haven't thought of it. Well, now you've thought of it. You can't get it out of your head. So I challenge you. Try to spread some peace, good tidings, and salvation in any way that you can, whether it's your feet or your virtual feet. That's my challenge to you. And when this says in this, this verse, remember it's Isaiah. He's talking to the people of Israel who say to Zion, your God reigns. To put that in a broader perspective in a more modern term, he says to say to my nation, the Lord is my shepherd. Because the shepherd is the one who rules. So the shepherd is the one who manages. The shepherd is unstoppable. And his sheep have all the best things. So some good questions that we can ask ourselves, and maybe you take these with you and just throughout the week. As far as the wake that I'm leaving behind, do I leave behind peace or turmoil? Now, maybe you have a good EQ or maybe you don't have a good EQ. And what I mean by EQ is emotional intelligence, right? Some people that have a high IQ, they're very smart, but maybe they don't have the sense to come in out of the rain, right? You know people like that. Uh, some people have zero EQ. They cannot read the room. They have no idea. But I bet if you're open to it, you can get a sense as you interact with people, as people see you come in, uh, I, I always call it uh, the ah check. When someone walks in the door, I'm either going to go, ah, right, or I'm going to go, ah. You'll know if you leave peace or turmoil. Uh, if you don't, ask them. Hey, how are you doing? How are we doing? Do I leave behind forgiveness or bitterness? And again, I do not have enough forgiveness for this world. There have been things that have been done that I cannot forgive of my own accord, but I can forgive if it's God's forgiveness. I, you know, if I were the guy being nailed to the cross and, and you know, Father, please zap them right now. Wipe them out. That's what I would have said, which is why I'm not your Savior. But Jesus chose instead to say, Father, forgive them, 
while he's being nailed to the cross because they don't know what they're doing. And at the heart of every good shepherd, there is that compassion. And, and it says so about Jesus himself. He had compassion on them because he viewed them as sheep without a shepherd. They were scattered and running astray. It's Jesus' compassion that calls us to forgive. And Jesus' compassion and forgiveness are great enough to cover anything. And you may not believe me. And that's okay. You don't have to believe me. But can you believe him? Can you give it a try? Give it a whirl. 30 days or your next one's free. I don't know. Just give it a shot. And I'll be, you'll be amazed at that wake that you leave behind, that positive wake that you leave behind of goodness and love. Do I leave behind contentment or conflict? <clears throat> this is where I want to elaborate for just a second, because sometimes in Christian circles when we say contentment, we, we kind of think of that as, oh, there's no ambition there. There's just laziness. Your, your contentment is you just, oh, well, whatever. Do you ever see Jesus going, oh, well, whatever? <laughs> Do you think Jesus was content? Yeah, so that must not mean what contentment means. Contentment means I have everything I need. I know this. I am assured of this because the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. But that doesn't mean I leave the world as I found it. I'm not content with the way the world is. By the way, Jesus wasn't either, or he wouldn't have come, and he wouldn't have said and done all the things that he's done. I'm not content with the way the world is, but I can be content that I will have everything that I need to be an agent of change. I will have everything I need to have those beautiful feet that spread good news, good tidings, peace, salvation. And again, it's not my salvation. Thank God, we're, we're, it's not on me. And then finally, do I leave behind love <clears throat> or hatred? Love is one of the most misunderstood words, I think, in the modern language. Uh, because we have confused love with whatever. Again, uh, love means tolerance to a point. Love means going along with whatever. I don't want to offend anybody or hurt anybody's feelings. Sometimes. You think Jesus ever hurt anybody's feelings? Because the other side of love is truth. And sometimes truth needs to be spoken. You know, I've never come to a, a WordServe gathering and started off with, hey, you brood of vipers, you little whitewashed tombs, you. <laughs> no, but Jesus said that kind of thing. But he did it from compassion because he saw what the effect was on the people. The sheep around him, these false shepherds, if you will, were leading the people astray. They were putting burdens on them. They were making them have sheep mullets, when they could be fully fleeced sheep. So do I leave behind love? Do I speak out of compassion for the goodness of us all? Or do I just make a mess and walk away? These are good questions to ask. So as we come to this idea of uh, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, of uh, goodness and mercy following along behind us. I want to talk a little bit about this whole cycle now. We're going to come back and recap the entire series here. So if you've missed, uh, again, you can catch up. But I want to show you this, what I call the, the circle of life. Please don't sue me, Disney. Uh, I'm not going to sing it. But here's what typical Christians, new Christians, experience. And, and see if you can relate to this. It top, starts at 12 o'clock. The first thing is we have to surrender. At some point in our lives, whether we're convinced that it's a good idea or we're just so broken we've got no place to turn, we surrender. We turn ourselves over to Christ. We say to ourselves, I cannot do this. I cannot save myself. I recognize that I have to give my life to you. 
That's the starting point of this journey. The second thing that happens is generally euphoria. It's like, whoo, man, that felt good. I feel unburdened. I'm so light. I'm joyous. I'm like a little sheep dancing around. Uh, uh, Rana sent me a picture of the, that one sheep that saved, you know, the, the, of the other 99, and it's this sheep frolicking in the field. That's what you feel like at this stage. Man, this is awesome. And then you run into your first challenge. Uh-oh, there's that valley. Uh, we talked about that valley. Now, why would God put me through the valley? Well, if you're curious, go back and listen to sermon number two of the series. But this is the most critical point in this new journey, or maybe it's a renewed journey for you. We get the surrender, we get the euphoria, we hit the challenge, and then we've got a big decision point. Do I continue this life cycle of following the shepherd, or do I depart from it? And let me put this in more common terms that would make this seem like a no-brainer decision. If I'm on a road and I see a, a, a sign that says, Hades in two miles, and I get into the county of Hades, and it says, exit. Are you going to exit and stay there? Uh, not me. Uh, I, I hope you're not driving and I'm in the car. No, I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to go exit and stay there. I'm going to go through that onto whatever's coming next. But here's what we do all the time in our faith walk. We run into that first challenge like, well, this stuff isn't working. This guy isn't a good shepherd. He's taking me through this valley, this shadow of death. I'm out. I'm done. And where are you sitting in the midst of the county of Hades? It's not a good place to be. Some people will say, well, bad stuff happens whether you believe or not. Yes, but bad stuff happens on the other side of this. How you get out of that makes all the difference in the world. How you get through that makes all the difference in the world. And there's only one way that I know of that brings you through into a better place. And that's the rest of the journey. If we make the decision to stay on course, even though it looks bad right now, then we get to that higher place with a different view, the Mesa that we talked about, Sermon 3, if you're interested. Once we get to that higher place, then we see how goodness and love can interact in our lives, even despite the valleys and the challenges and the shadows. And then we get to this place where we dwell in this house of the Lord forever. Now, I said earlier that this is delayed gratification, right? Well, this is something in the future. I just have to gut it out, and eventually it'll be fine. No, you don't. Here's the thing. From the, sh the sheep's perspective, do sheep have a house that they dwell in 24-7, 365? No. Uh, do, do they even have the same pasture that they can call home over a course of a year? No. So how do sheep dwell? There's only one constant. What's the one constant in that sheep's life? Ah, the presence of the shepherd. So when we think about dwelling, we've got to dismiss ourselves of this idea of this great mansion and pearly gates that someday, if I've done the right things, I may find a place to call home. It's not about a place. It's about the presence of the shepherd. That's how we dwell in the presence of the shepherd, the house of the Lord forever. When does forever end? Never. When does forever start? <laughs> At 12 o'clock when we surrender, right? That means that right now, in this very moment, we can be dwelling in the house of the Lord because we are in the presence of the shepherd and we will never not be in the presence of the shepherd. Is that not good news? I think that's the best news I've heard all day. And that was right after we had Egos. That, that, I, that was the second best news that we've had all day. 
<laughs> not to compare, right? So this is why this life cycle of a Christian uh, fascinates me. You say, Bill, this doesn't make any sense. We were talking about Psalm 23. Watch this. The surrender says the Lord is my shepherd, not the world, not somebody else's voice, not somebody else's opinion, not my own pride. The Lord is my shepherd. That's my surrender. The euphoria that I find are those green pastures and still water. And man, that sounds great. And they're really good when you can enjoy them. But guess what? You can't stay there. That's not the way this works. God is going to move us. As a good shepherd, well-managed flock, God is going to move us. And sometimes, as we explain, you got to go through the valleys to get to the good stuff. Does that mean he says, mm, this field is done. We're going to go over there. Hey, good luck. See ya. No, I am going to guide you there. Your rod and your staff comfort me as I go to this new place of this new green pasture and still water. But we have to accept that the challenges and the valleys are meant for something better. And if we do, we will see it from a higher place. The table that is prepared before us in the presence of our enemies. If we continue that path, then we, we learn that goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Because what I've been given, I can freely give. See, this is another stopping point for some Christians. I almost put a stop sign right there. Because the goodness and love shall follow me. Well, I... I'm not getting goodness and love. I'm not encountering goodness and love. You already encountered it when Jesus died on the cross. The challenge is not, this is, goodness and love is not something we get. Goodness and love is something we give. And that's the, the head flip that we need to do at this point. It's not about me getting goodness and love. I've already got that. It's about me giving goodness and love, whatever that looks like in your context. And if we will do that, uh, we will dwell in that presence of the shepherd because we are so close in that relationship that there's nothing that we do that he wouldn't ask us to do. And there's nothing that we don't do that he wants us to do. And we do it not out of obligation. Did you ever think there was a sheep that was like, <laughs> you're making us go to a green pasture again? No, I'm out. I'm just going to sit right here and let the flock go. And then you're going to look like mullet boy, right? Once we get to that point and we recognize that we have this shepherd that is taking care of us, it's almost like we surrender all over again. And the cycle, the positive cycle, continues to spiral up. Because the more I surrender and the more he's in charge of my life, the more green pastures and still water I'm going to encounter. The flip side is maybe the more valleys I'm going to encounter, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Because I can look back, if you take this cycle the other way, I can look back and go, no, there's a higher place. There's goodness. There's love that will follow. And I am in the presence of that shepherd. The best place to be is in the presence of the shepherd, wherever that shepherd takes you. The best place is not in the comfort of my own making. That's what I want us to remember about this whole series, is this is the walk of the Christian life encapsulated into one psalm. These are the challenges that we face. But if we will stay the course, if we will stay in the presence of our shepherd, in other words, if we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, we will encounter all this in ever-increasing abundance, and we will know no want. You know, sometimes it's good just to take a breath in the busyness of our schedules and our lives. Sometimes it's good just to soak in to a psalm. So this morning, I want to invite you to take a deep breath. Let it out. Take another deep breath. You might want to close your eyes and relax as we hear this word from the Lord. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Will you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for the gift of the good shepherd. We thank you that the shepherd is good whether we are or not. We thank you that you are our provider, that you know exactly what we need. We thank you for the green pastures and the still waters, but God, at the same time, we thank you for the valleys, not because we enjoy the experience, but because we know you are taking us to a place that will be even better than we can imagine, and that you are taking us with you. You're not sending us out on our own. We're never a time where we're not in your presence if we would just recognize that you are there. God, even in the darkest of valleys, even in the most challenging of times, your rod and your staff are there to comfort us. And God, where you take us as we stay on that path that you prepare for us is a higher place, a place that you have prepared, a place that we can't even imagine. God, as we do this, I pray that we wouldn't just do this for us, but we would do this for the world around us, as you have called us to be your disciples, to go and make disciples bearing good tidings and good news and peace and salvation. God, let that be because we are in your presence and we follow you. Let it not be of our own making. Let it not be of our own pride, our own intelligence, our own whatever we want to bring to the table. It pales in comparison to what you bring. So God, let us relax into the presence of our shepherd and our savior. Let us show the world who you are as you live through us, as we are under the care of that shepherd. And God, may we all surrender this morning anew, completely, and put ourselves in your hands in this very moment. Do what you will with us so that your word will come true and people will see you for who you are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.